I was fooling around with um, those uh, anti-theft devices that are in all the DS games. And um, they were placed so that they're right next to the edge. So when I was picking at them, my like knuckles were um, scraping against the edge of the box, and I actually cut myself while doing that. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I'm just amazed by another, the fact that I cut myself on a DS game. Another DS target. injury. It just, it just seems so contradictory in terms of mental imagery. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of ElderGeek.com. You're listening to issue number 36. With me this week is Gavin Green, the news editor from the site. Say hello, Gavin. Hello. And Nate Youngkins, who's actually our production manager. Hello. Um, this week we're actually going to be talking a little bit about uh, we're going to be talking about Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, Metroid Prime trilogy, um, and you know, a bunch of new stuff. And hopefully, after the break, we're going to have uh, special guest Z from LittleMissGamer.com. Um, and that should do it. Gavin, are we ready with uh, are we ready with the news, bud? We are ready with the news. I just wanted to clarify what you said, though. Um, we're not talking about Knights of the Old Republic. That was a previous generation game released by Bioware. We're talking about Star Wars The Old Republic. Right. Sorry the about The MMO. Sorry. <laughs> Good job. Good job. But let's move in. Let's move in before I uh, embarrass him too much. We're actually going to start, however, with um, the top Xbox Live titles for 2009. Microsoft recently released a... Um, the top 20 for each section of Xbox Live, and it's um, pretty typical. I'm just going to read you, for example, the first top five Xbox Live titles, that is, games played on Xbox Live for the most amount of hours. Number one is Halo 3. Number two is Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Number three is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. (laughs) Number four is Call of Duty World at War. And number five is Gears of War 2. (laughs) Now, it's hard to uh, fault Microsoft for going back to those old franchises, but what works what is what works. What do you guys think about this? I mean, we have about 80 games to go through here, and I don't think I really want to go through them all, but <laughs> you the know, that's... point of this article is just the top five being exactly what you think of when you think of Xbox fans. You know, you don't even need to go for that far down the list. You, you only need to go to, like, number eight for it to be Halo 3 ODST. So, yeah, it, it's it just... Um... <laughs> The, the top games played on on uh, on Xbox Live are all the same exact kind of game, and uh, I wonder how many hours they are if you combine all of those shooter hours together, versus everything on on the rest of uh, 360. How that all holds up? It would be a mind-boggling comparison, I'm sure. Yeah. What do you think about this in general? Just about like, it all being shooters, or it all being Call of Duty. <laughs> Whatever you think, man. It is a lot of it. A lot of that's Call of Duty. Well, I, I don't know. Since that's typically what I play anyway, it's not Call of Duty, but shooters in general. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's the popular game. I'd probably be playing uh, Gears of War if I had the Xbox. But really, you would do Gears over Modern Warfare? Oh yeah, yeah. I like when it comes to a console game. I would much rather be a third-person shooter. In huh. uh, first person, because I always go to the PC for first person shooters. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. All right, well, I guess that's that's that for that news topic. Take that, Microsoft. 
<laughs> Although for me, I'd be at number 13 with Fallout 3. That's the 13th most played Xbox Live title. I can't. But yes. Be- I'm sorry. I was just going to say I can't believe Resident Evil 5 is even in the top 20. That blows my <laughs> mind. Hey, what works, what works, man. But I think we're going to move on now. We're going to move on to Metroid Prime Trilogy, the recently released compilation of all three Metroid Prime titles uh, for the Wii, remodeled uh, in new graphics with Wii Motion controls. The um, Wii, excuse me, Metroid Prime Trilogy box set has been discontinued. Not retracted, not um, taken back by Nintendo. They are just releasing no new copies. So that copy you have is probably now a collector's item. Yeah, hang on to it. Or if you've got time, head on over to your GameStop or, or whatever's close by and, and see if they've got any left on their shelves. Chances are after, after this news release hit earlier in the week, most of the, most of the geeks in your neighborhood probably ran over and bought up the last copies that they could. Absolutely. You gotta get it. Now it's, now it's probably shot up on Amazon as well. Well, it was really cheap too. Wasn't it only like 40 bucks for the three of the three games? Yeah, I believe so. Did they do that on purpose, or they just decided, hey, we don't want to make it anymore? They didn't give an official statement. It just sounded like it was like a, hey, we just don't want to do it anymore. I don't know if it, if it was because of sales or or anything else along those lines. They just said think, we're not going to produce. It, I think it was uh, sales. I actually think it sold pretty well. I just think the from Nintendo's point of view, I think they the amount they released for the first string is just the the maximum amount they think that it could sell. So they're just cutting it off while they're ahead. And then they'll just let the, the initial sales drain out, and that should be all. I mean, it's 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 reason it's reasonable, I suppose. I, I know it's a great game and everything like that. I just don't have the time to play it. It's I've, I've been so close to hitting the purchase button on that, but I just know it would collect dust on my shelf. Mm. Yeah, not, not that there's anything wrong with it. I just wouldn't play it. Mm. Okay. Well, I think we're pretty good on that, so yeah. pick it up if you can still find a copy. Or if you already have one, keep it all in prime collector's condition, whatever that means. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, we're going to move on here to the Old Republic, not Knights of the Old Republic, Randy. Um, the MMO by Bioware in the Star Wars universe, one of the most anticipated games, has been set for a spring 2011 release. This is why we didn't put it on our top ten anticipated games for this year's list. <laughs> um, let's see. John Riccatello, the e- uh, CEO for EA, recently made the announcement and... and had already priorly hinted about it, but it has now been official um, via InkGamers.com. LucasArts made the official announcement earlier this week. So we'll be seeing it for Christmas then. Excuse me. <laughs> it's not going to release in spring. But I'm saying we're gonna. It's going to be released for Christmas then, for Christmas 20, 2011. Perhaps. <laughs> and that's all we got. That the very generic, very um, vague spring 2011. Nate, release. would you ever play it? Uh, I might give it a shot, but I'm not really a RPG type of guy. No? I'm not RPG MMO. Well, either or. <laughs> what about you, MMO, Randy? RPG. I don't I, really like that. I like the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games, and I really like the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic comics. Um, but there there's something about this that that I've been seeing so far. I'm not digging. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's 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 the same that can be said about most MMOs that are coming out now. A lot of them are trying really hard to be like World of Warcraft. Not that there's anything wrong with that because it was a really successful formula, but um, I kind of want something with a little bit of a higher end graphics on it. You know? Yeah. Good luck finding that from MMO. But back in the day, back when MMO, MMOs were actually coming out, they kind of did push graphics a little bit. You know, Dark Age of Camelot actually had some some pretty sweet graphics when it came out. Same thing with, like, EverQuest and EverQuest 2. You know, they they actually graphically were, they held their own at the time. Um, 
It's just that that was part of the formula that made World of Warcraft so popular was the fact that they had <laughs> low end specs so that everybody could play. Hmm. All right, I think we're good on that topic. I'm not an MMO player in the slightest. I despise <laughs> the Star Wars license like nothing in, in ever before. So not my idea. Although I do admit Knights of the Old Republic was a good game, and that's probably the only way I get into the Star Wars license. But again, not an MMO player. I don't play game. I wouldn't play it enough to qualify the subscription cost. So do you, do you despise Star Wars games or everything Star Wars? Pretty much everything Star Wars, save for Abcodar. Wow. That, oh, man, you are coming in a couple issues late, and it is a topic <laughs> that would take hours and hours to discuss. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure just the shortest way I can explain it to everybody would be to release a new edition of each of the movies called the Red Pin Edition, just where I go through and mark everything that's wrong with each of the movies, <laughs> just so I can itemize it. But until then, that is a topic for another day and another podcast. We are yeah. moving on. <laughs> Wait, before you actually do go on, Gavin, have you have you heard the uh, – um, um, the riff tracks versions of any of the Star Wars movies? I did. I actually got into it because I was a fan of Chad Vader, the internet series that spawned the character that did the riff tracks with um, the MST3K guys. Oh, They're cool. Good. All right. All right. Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> Indeed. Keeping in the MMO trope, though, we have a message from Fun- Funcom, actually, recently off the heels of their announcement that if you had registered prior to January 1st, you would get unlimited free playtime. They are th- uh, sending out quite a few emails uh, threatening to delete low-level characters, um, unless, of course, you re-register your account, or excuse me, reactivate their account. Yep. Uh, but Randy, I believe, I think you actually got one of these emails, if you could, uh, what, what exactly did it entail? Uh, yeah, I got, I got the, I got that email, and it, uh, it basically said what you, you had just said, um, I think we actually have the letter up on our site here, it said, uh, thanks for playing Age of, Age of Conan, part of our maintenance project, uh, you know, we flagged your character below level 20, and they might be deleted as part of maintenance, um, I don't care, and, and to be honest with you, uh, so many people left that game, um, because of its poor standards, that, uh, I, I think that the majority of people that get this email aren't gonna care either, you know, if you stop playing, like if you let your account go idle, that means you stop paying for it, right? That's right. Yeah. Indeed. So that probably means they're not going to be playing it again, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Now, and it's, and the other thing is, like level twenty to get to level twenty on Age of Conan, um, it'll take you an afternoon. So I, I really don't think anybody's going to be super heartbroken about this. Um, and I don't know. To, to be honest, I think this is a, a golden opportunity. I'm hoping I'm not screwing over a lot of people by planting the seed of evil here or anything. But mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> I really think that MMOs should start offering a um, a character insurance kind of thing. I mean, if you're paying a monthly if you're paying a monthly subscription fee, if if I was personally running a site like or a game like World of Warcraft, if you're paying a monthly subscription to play this game and then you decide to stop paying to play. You know, I I don't see the reason why World of Warcraft should hold on to your character, you know. So unless you continue to actually pay something, so I don't know. I would say that if you wanted to keep your character, to pay an additional one buck a month or something like that. Did you hear that by chance? Sounds like Nate's being abducted. I think. Um, that's actually on my end. Um, some of the coppers found me. I might have to leave early for this. <laughs> but yeah. Not a lot of people are um, particularly phased by this email, apparently. We got some comments from Reddit and on our site um, specifically just saying that, eh, it's just a big <laughs> whole man moment, a shrugged shoulders from everybody. 
a lot Sorry, of people are reading it, though. Yeah, a lot of people are reading it. Like, it's, I think it's just because Age of Conan has been just such a huge train wreck ever since it launched. Poor Funcom. Yeah. All right, let's move on before we get too sad here. Um, let's get on. Let's go on to a game that we're all anticipating here at Elder Geek: Bad Company Two. Yeah, I'm excited um, about this one. Pretty much everyone on staff is, and we're going to be getting a PC beta for the uh, for the game this month, January. And actually, the game will be 3D enabled. Based, um, based on what our news topic says here. We even got a picture of the glasses that you'll be wearing on our site, so you should be sure to check that out. January 27th specifically, you will get access, if you can, to the PC beta. What do you guys think here? I actually bought my game today, pre-ordered, so that I could get access to the beta. Rock on. Because I'm a big nerd. <laughs> I, was, I was planning on buying it anyways. I played the PS3 beta. And I really, really liked it. So I just want more access to the game as I could get. And right now, if you buy it or pre-order it at Games, GameStop or uh, the EA store, which is the only two, I think, doing the whole beta pre-order thing, mm-hmm. it's the limited edition version for the same price as whatever the normal game would be. Oh, really? Yeah, it's forty nine ninety nine, or EA store has it for forty nine ninety five. Yeah, wow. what's a four cents? <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to take a trip to the store. What uh, what kind of neat stuff actually comes comes with it? Do you know? There were four vehicle unlocks, I think it was. Which I mean, all the everything you get with it, you can eventually unlock in the game. Gaia. Um, oh, I, I should have had that ready, but uh. Yeah, there's four vehicle unlocks, I think it is, armor, radar, and you get a tracer dart. And then you get, um, like, there's two 1943 weapons, or wherever they pulled it from. Uh, the Thompson machine gun and nice. handgun. Huh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's all in-game unlocks. It's not like the special edition, it's not like you're going home with some kind of swag or anything like that. No, no, it's all in-game unlocks, and they just give it to you early rather than having to work to unlock it. I wish there was a way to tell, because, Nate, you and I actually were talking about this earlier in the day. You you purchased the, um, you actually purchased the hard copy of it. Yeah, yeah, I did. See, I, I, we were having a discussion earlier. If I have the option, I almost always buy digital copies of stuff. And um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of dubious about getting the, uh, the digital copy through EA because um, EA can sometimes run like a, an overlay on your PC when you're actually playing it, kind of like Steam, but it's a lot more um, processor intensive. Mm. Yeah, it was. It's the only way to launch their games, unfortunately. Like I think Sims Three, you've got to be connected to the internet and it's got to be run in the background. It's just like Steam, but but a lot clunkier. That sucks. Yeah. Well, on to the second point of this uh, news topic. Will either of you be playing it in 3D? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I it, I would actually, I think it'd be a lot of fun to see what it was like in 3D, but I went and saw Avatar in 3D, and after that movie, I had the worst headache for, like, the rest of the night. I don't think I can take 3D. Yeah. It's going to be difficult to get um, 3D to as much of a proliferation as they want it to be. Yeah, I think they're hyping that up a little, a little much. It's It's a cool gimmick, but... I think it's still just a gimmick. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a mainstream thing. True. 
And didn't and they say the same thing about 3D back when it was, you know, kind of a big thing in the theaters, too? Weren't they expecting people to have 3D technology at home then, too? The whole red-green. Yeah, the red-blue glasses. <laughs> yeah, back in the 70s. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, there's a, great, there's a much greater force behind it now, so it's difficult to say what would happen to it comparatively, especially with the amount of money all these are making. But for Battlefield Bad Company 2 to come out at this point and say it's 3D, I can't see it being any more than a tacked-on kind of thing. I don't know how you would tack on 3D, but well, it doesn't uh, seem like it was planned from the beginning to have 3D. From what I've seen and read, it actually doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot to make a video game 3D as far as like it doesn't need to be planned. I saw a video, um, it was on PC Perspective. This guy did a review and actually set, set up the 3D stuff in a Best Buy and had people try it on Left 4 Dead because you could play Left 4 Dead in 3D. Nice. And it was funny to see people's reactions, because they were actually jumping back when the zombies were running <laughs> So I get the impression that it works pretty well. Yeah, the, the NVIDIA GeForce uh, Vision's not, uh, it's not... I mean, it's a new piece of hardware, but it's not It's not like it's coming out just for Battlefield Bad Company 2. It's been out for a little while. I think that uh, Bad Company 2 is taking a good marketing move by saying, hey, this is 3D-enabled kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know. I've said this before. Uh, I, I wear glasses all the time. I could wear contact lenses, but, um, you know, the amount I'm looking at, uh, at you know, monitors and stuff all day, I just feel more comfortable wearing glasses. And uh, wearing glasses over top of my glasses just seems like a silly idea. Yeah. It does feel ridiculous, even in a theater. Yeah. We're going to move on. We, um, Randy, you have one more thought? No, nah, I was, I was going to say. I was just going to say, like, I've done that before and, and you, you kind of feel like an idiot with glasses over top of glasses. <laughs> you feel like the, the old lady with the blue blocker glasses on and when you pull up next to her in the car. Those Fantastic. Are <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on, though, so we can get through all this. Um, actually, we're moving on to Greenpeace, the famous Make the World Greener Society kind of um, company. They recently released their annual survey of electronics companies uh, assessing the uh, chemical energy and e-waste policies of various um, companies on both shores, and Nintendo actually came out as one of the worst uh, <laughs> surveyed. Out of a possible 10, they got a 1.4. Out of that, out of 10, Microsoft got a 2.4, and Sony scored a 5.1. So none of our video game manufacturers are ace or even passing this uh, this test. That's terrible. Yeah, they're not percentage wise. So. But the main question I got here is, what's e-waste? What's e-waste? Yeah. Uh, e-waste is um, throwing out electronics and not oh, having okay. them recycled. Um, I thought it was like virtual waste. I'm like, how do you... How do no, you no it's uh, like you know, old monitors, cell phones, circuits. I, I guess the, the, the phrasing of it just made it weird. But we, we do have a response from Nintendo. We recently posted it up. It's basically a um, couple paragraphs of them assuring that they have... Uh, taken their environmental responsibilities seriously and are rigorous in our commitment to comply with all relevant laws relating to environmental and product safety. Basically, there's um, is there a hint in there saying that the Greenpeace survey is not legitimate? But regardless, what do you guys think on this? <laughs> sure. Actually, I've heard it a few times before that Nintendo is really bad when it comes to that sort of thing. It might have been the same people. They, I, I think I, time. Yeah, I was going to say I heard it last year, too, when yeah. they did it. But uh, I think it's it's kind of sad, but I don't know. Without knowing what exactly they're doing, are they just, like, dumping any excess product into the ocean? I mean, what are they doing? What makes it so bad? They don't really tell you. 
Not necessarily. I mean, it is um, a lot of it's uh, product disposal. A lot of it is um, the final product, how it's uh, energy, it's power consumption, um, uh, and again, uh, e-waste, like we said. Um, so a lot of it's that way, and so it's surprising just where all of them wind up. And pretty much it's the same this year as it was last year. So we haven't seen a lot of improvement in that in that degree. No, and they made the same promise last year that they were going to get better. So apparently their plan of uh, having employees cutting down two trees on the weekend, cutting down only one tree on the weekend, didn't quite do it. They don't, don't think care. <laughs> I mean, they're printing money with the Wii. They don't give a shit. And the DS, dude. That little and fucker parts out nickels, man. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry, sorry. That was really lewd for our podcast. <laughs> They don't. They don't care. They're I think. Not, I think you. I think you need to animate a DS farting Nichols now. <laughs> there's. There's actually one where they, where they've animated it, uh, holding up and actually printing out money. Yeah. It, yeah. With a uh, Miyamoto on the side. Yeah. I mean, they just. They just make money all the time. They're not going to do anything about it until they're somehow penalized for it, or the. The public actually cares. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Right now, I think that's the biggest offense is the amount of money that they're making in, in an economy where everybody else is failing. Nintendo is still whooping ass, and yet they still don't give a shit about this. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, I mean, they did. This is the same company that created motion controllers and then created an extra set of motion controllers that you have to have to play <laughs> the same games. Yeah. Yeah, they are very peripheral based and in increased production cost and production equipment that you have to dispose of. So it makes sense. Emotion plus. <laughs> it's I like, think they, this is what we should have done first. Why <laughs> this? Now, if they could only make the Wii what they wanted to do it when they launched, we'd be in business. But, okay, getting a little bit biased in here, getting a little fanboy in here. <laughs> but, um,. I believe last year they're 1.1. So 1.1 to 1.4 is technically an improvement. We're right. into that though. Um, that was our big one for this week. Um, going actually over to Microsoft, needlessly producing peripherals. Project Natal has recently <laughs> um, been announced to have 70 to 80 percent of all major publishers working on specific projects for it. I believe we had a similar um, news story prior to that where we just listed a couple big names, but actually 70 to 80 percent of major publishers have their development teams, at least one of them, on the Well, 70, they, how many major publishers are there? Aren't there only, like, four? Yeah, like four, five, we, maybe six. And, well, excuse me, it just says all publishers, so that would oh. be a lot of things. I oh. attacked on the major. I, it's a habit. Ah, uh, sorry. sorry. I, you I, know what, though, to, to be honest with you, that I, I've heard something like this before, and it was back when Nintendo was announcing the Wii, uh, when they had said that uh, they're they're coming out and all these developers are are supporting them, that they've got can't remember what the number was, but it, I remember hearing something like seventy to seventy five percent of all publishers are working on Wii titles, and and that the you know the public shouldn't be worried because there's new you know software coming. I'm worried that uh, the next wave of so, uh, shovelware, of next generation shovelware, is going to be Natal based. Yeah, I'm not. I think it's I'm not can it really you serve the Wii though? <laughs> Um. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't think it can. Just because the Wii's already like, if you any, if you talk to any non-gamer, and they're just you know regular people, they know the Wii. Yeah. They're not gonna know Project Natal. I mean, they might have heard about it or read about it, but the Wii is already ingrained with just regular people. That oh, that's the fun motion controller game that I understand how to play. Yeah. Now you're going to make someone jump around in front of a camera. Yeah, it's cool, but you're playing catch-up, and it's probably not going to really be all that amazing. Hmm. 
I actually think it would work. I agree with uh, Randy that it's going to be a lot of shovelware. It's going to be a lot of little, um, smaller budgets, smaller production times, smaller games, like what we saw um, with the dodgeball-esque kind of thing where you're uh, hitting all the hitting rubber balls as they come at you. So, I mean, I can't imagine a lot of them being full-fledged AAA titles, but this, this makes sense. And I'm not sure exactly how Natal's success is going to be, but I look forward to seeing how it comes out. I look forward to seeing all the silly videos that are going to be coming out shortly <laughs> afterwards on YouTube of people breaking televisions and slapping each other in the face accidentally. It's going to be awesome. I think, there's thing... a, I think there was an entire section on YouTube, sorry to interrupt, um, Nate, sorry. about Wii Injuries. I think it was just titled Wii Injuries. And there was like <laughs> a couple thousand of people smacking them in the face <laughs> with uh, Wiimotes, destroying their HDTVs by throwing it at the screen accidentally. I know what I'm doing after the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of biased, but I think my biggest problem with the whole idea of Natal is there's nothing there. Like, you're just going to be moving around in the air. And I think most people want some sort of tactile sensation, either a button to push or something. Absolutely. Or something. And I think that's going to be its biggest downfall. You're just going to have people waving in the air. And I've never gotten the chance to try it, so I don't even know how accurate it is, but... When you have nothing to touch with no, like, sensory feedback of any kind, I just think that's going to be harder for people to get than if they can mm. hold a little wand and wave it around. You, you need you need the feedback? I personally do. I don't, like, I actually don't even like the Wii that much. <laughs> it hardly shows. <laughs> but, I, like, I like, Nate, how you subtly integrated the word yeah. wand, as in what Sony's, what Sony's motion control is, uh, Tentatively titled. Nicely done. Oh, well, I actually, so I think Sony's approach is a little bit better than the Natal just to combine the two ideas. But mm-hmm. as far as motion controllers go, I don't think I'm ever really going to get fully into it just because of the type of games I like to play, like a shooter or something like that, or some sort of violent game, without the, without having it around me. Like, it's hard for me to correlate the motions with the game because if I do something really quick like some sort of twitch like I'm used to twitching with a mouse or something like that I expect it to respond and those motion controllers they don't respond like that yeah well any final thoughts on this Randy before we uh, move on to our final topic yeah let's just move on to our final topic I I just hope everything works out with Natal okay we got at the very best we're hopeful for Natal that's not yeah we're gonna have to be impressed by these 70 to 80 percent but yeah We'll see. All right, final topic. I saved it for last because I care about this game, and I'm obsessed, as everyone who listens to the podcast <laughs> knows. Quantic Dreams, if you hate it, interactive movie. If you love it, interactive movie game. Um, Heavy Rain has just gotten a U- U.S. release date. Yay. It's soon, too. It's February it's 16th. February 16th. That's a lot sooner than I thought it was going to be. A lot yeah. sooner. And just Indeed. a week before its um, European release. Actually, some sites said it was the 23rd, and the European is still 26th, but um, our sources have said 16th. So um, until we're proven wrong, that is the date we're going by, and that's the day I'm pre-ordering. Or that's the day I'm (laughs) But yeah, so rock on. Um, That's really all the news topic has to say, so what do we all think? Um, You know, that's going to be a game that I'm probably going to rent before I, I fully buy, um, or if I buy it and, and don't particular, uh, particularly love it, I'll, you know, be lending it out to friends like crazy immediately thereafter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. Um, 
I, I'm more excited about it, not because of what it is. I'm more excited about it, the fact of how different it is than all the games that are out on the market right now. And, and I'm, it'll be a refreshing uh, breath of air. Well, it, I think it looks cool. It's an interesting... I was caught by the very first trailer they ever did, which it looks like it's turning out a little bit different than that. Oh, the the tech demo? The one yeah. with the audition? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that was never was... meant to be part of the game, but the chick is in it now. If you um, look at the trailers, the same actress that played in the casting tech demo has been given a character within the narrative. Oh. I think she's yeah. a hooker. That's <laughs> what I see. <laughs> she's not the housewife with the gun? <laughs> no, not the housewife with the gun. She's a hooker. It definitely looks interesting. That's yeah. not going to be one of the ones I buy, but it definitely looks interesting. I think that's going to be the big holdup for me. Is like I'm going to be so excited about it. I'm going to play it. I'm probably going to love it. Um, I'll probably recommend it to friends to try, but there's probably not going to be that much replay value in there. Mm. I'm Gosh. hoping there there will be. I'm not sure if all those little uh, decisions you have to make in game will amount to something that you want to go back and try something different with. Yeah. I mean, well, it, integrated into the game, there's immense repay value. It's just a matter of how dynamic the changes are but in between decisions. That well, that's what you don't really know yet, right? Cause true. It could be awesome. I would say that would be awesome if, like, every decision you make really changes the game versus, yeah. like, this person's dead instead of being alive or something like that. And, like, it really takes you down a different path. That would be really cool. Hopefully. I will be um, – I am – on deck to review it for the site. I'm hoping to get a review copy. I've contacted both a developer and publisher, so cross your fingers for me. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try try and kill off every character as quickly as I can. <laughs> see, how, see how much effort it takes on my part to fail. That's great. That's so great. I think I think we're good on the news for that. I think we'll end on that. Um, great, great for us. That is, of course, Elder Geek's top anticipated game for this year. So February 16th, look to Elder Geek. We'll surely have something up for you. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. We're going to take a real quick break and we'll uh, we'll be right back. The Shinra Guard is close behind Cloud and the rest of the gang as they stole vehicles from the Shinra headquarters. They are in close pursuit and they are where I am in the truck. Cloud is defending the truck by swinging his sword wildly as the villain pursuing us. Cloud is almost at his limit break. Sarah, Sarah, this going to go in a couple minutes. I'm lost in the motherfucking desert. The Golden Saucer is a source of economic explosion in a world decimated by greed. There is fire everywhere. Oh my God, there's a man walking through the fire. Embedded reporters within Final Fantasy VII. Only on 8bitx.com. Hey everybody, welcome back from break. Um, I've got Z with me from uh, Little Miss Gamer, and uh, we're going to be talking about pretty much everything in the life of Little Miss Gamer, as as much as she'll let us know. Um, say hi, Z. Hey everybody, how you doing? Um, we're all doing fine, and hopefully they are too. Um, I, I just wanted to get uh, get right into it. Uh, talk to us about uh, talk to us about Little Miss Gamer. What was the what was the inspiration behind Little Miss Gamer? Well, um, 
my com- my the production company that I help out with PBC Productions we had been doing a, a web series called Captain S for quite some time and uh, when the first season had come to an end we were still creating content every Friday on the internet and um we were looking for some new stuff to create for that and uh, a friend of ours that we had met um Oh, by creating videos, um, his name uh, on YouTube was Sasha Nine. Um, he was c- creating a show called Still Gaming, and uh, he had fallen ill for a while and was unable to make videos. So um, it had um, come to us that uh, perhaps we could, each of us in the company, create a video um, in place of uh, of uh, Sasha Nine's videos, you know, to um, like a substitute teacher, if you will, but yeah. instead like a substitute video. So Chad did Splatterhouse. Um, I did uh, Food Fight and Brett did Blades of Steel. And um, when I did the Food Fight video, it was um, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it's Food Fight, for those of you who don't know, is this amazing Atari 7800 game. It's so great. I love that um, game, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's so simple and so much fun. Um, and so I created that video. We did it in the same style that um, his uh, Sasha Nine's real name is Lee. And um, as most of you know, he goes by Lee from Still Gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we created the videos in the same style as he did, so with still shots and everything. And so I created that video, put it online, and it was pretty well received. And, um, you know, a couple weeks later, Chad and Brett and I were all thinking, oh, no, we have to make more content. Because at that time, we're really <laughs> churning things out. We're really just trying to see, can we do it? Can we still make something every Friday? And uh, the guy said, well, I don't know. Why don't you try doing another video game? I mean, you love video games just as much as we do. And I was like, all right, well. I guess I could do another Atari game. How about Missile Command? I haven't seen anybody reviewing Missile Command yet. And so we did this review in uh, in full motion this time, not just in still shots. And uh, <laughs> and you know, and and we made it a little quirky and a little fun. And um, you know, I, I definitely just used my own style with it. You know, I, um. I knew that there were a lot of other people doing video game reviews out there, and I just kind of wanted to let people in on, you know, my uh, my views on the game and also my, I don't know, like my reaction to some issues that gamers might face. And so through that, the show came to be. Um, so that's, it is a video game review show, but it's also a show about gamer issues and um, and not just video games, all different kinds of games, pinball, board games, Game shows, maybe <laughs> all different <laughs> kinds of games. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, um, during um, during your answer, you mentioned something about putting up content every Friday on a weekly basis, and um, I I've been attempting to put something up myself, and every week that just seems impossible. I mean, how did your you and your production crew manage to be able to do that, especially for a consistent basis, like you said? Especially we- juggling full time jobs as well. Yeah, absolutely. Or, I'm assuming anyway. Yeah, I know. I don't know how we did it. (laughs) I mean, I look back and we started in December of 2006 filming and we basically launched the site and the production company and everything um, on New Year's Day, January 2007. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. And then um, we 
I think we fulfilled our obligation to ourselves to create something uh, every Friday, I think maybe a year and a half, possibly even two years. Yeah. And then we all kind of took a breath and went, okay, I think we can slow down a little. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was just starting to become really a chore, you know, and like a fifth job. Um, A lot of us are freelancers, and so we already have a lot of smaller jobs that we all do. Yeah. And uh, and Chad, he would be working on, you know, TV sets and stuff, um, which are like 15, 16-hour days, and would only have mm-hmm. a couple days on the weekend to sleep and then regroup. Um, and those would be the days where we'd say, okay, what are we filming? Shit, I don't know. Uh, grab <laughs> some robots. Okay, great. Uh, let's do this thing. So it was great in one respect because it really forced us to come up with stuff on the fly, but then, um, you know, in another respect, it it after a while it just became a little too stressful and we decided to kind of cut back and then when we had time we'll make content and that's where we're at right now that sounds uh, i think that's more than respectable i mean you guys have, have established a you know a great following online people know who you are and they they know what kind of content you know you're you're capable of and i and um, you know i think any type of hiatus you take when you come back, I think you're always going to be coming back to open arms to, you know, the fans that you've established so far. Um, <laughs> my question is, uh, you, you're a puppeteer, which, um, you know, a lot of people that, that watch Little Miss Gamer might not pick that up on. Maybe they do. Um, are you uh, <laughs> are you ever going to implement that more into your shows? We have a little bit. Um, in the Gyrus episode, we use some um, puppets of spaceships in the very beginning. And in the Guitaro Man episode, we do um, some, like, little stick paper puppets. Um, it's funny because good, like, sometimes really good puppets and good puppetry takes longer than just, like, making a stupid skit with just you. Right. You know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and because I am a puppeteer, like a professional puppeteer, I, I'm always trying to do something perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, and Chad and Brett and everybody else is always saying, all right, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to work. <laughs> and I, I always want it to look amazing. So, um, yes, definitely there's a possibility, um, of seeing more of that. Because I, I do think that video games and puppetry, it's not such a weird match, you know. No, uh, they, not at all. They mash up pretty well, you know. Um, they're both storytelling. They both have interesting characters. And, I mean, that's why I'm attracted to both of those things. So Yeah, they're, they're both characters that you're, you know, manipulating in some way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's possible that you'll see more. Um, it depends on how much time I have. Right now, I've been very involved with um, building some puppets for some shows that I'm creating for myself uh, outside of Little Miss Gamer World. Uh, maybe after that build is over with, then I'll have some more time to devote to the show. Okay, very cool. Uh, what, talk to me about uh, about the National Puppetry Festival. This is uh, you guys are putting together, or at least you're wrapping up um, your second documentary on on the National Puppetry Festival, correct? That's right. You did your homework. Of course I did. <laughs> um, we in 2007 we were asked by the National Organization, the Puppeteers of America, to um, we were actually hired by them to go down and shoot. 
um, their uh, week-long national festival that was happening in St. Paul, Minnesota. So we went, we shot a ton of footage we brought back, and we edited together um, a full-length documentary called Puppet Rampage. And Best title there, ever, by the way. <laughs> well, I can't take credit for it. That was the title of the festival that year. But uh. yes, I agree. <laughs> um, so then um, it, it, or, around this time last year, it was uh, decided that um, the Puppeteers of America were very pleased with how Puppet Rampage had come out, and they wanted to hire us again for the 2009 National Festival, this time happening in Atlanta. It happens every other year in some city somewhere. So they asked us. Um, we said yes. And so we went down to Atlanta for another week. Um, shot a ton of stuff. And it's funny because not only was I directing the shoot and in charge of the shoot and interviewing people, but I was also performing in someone else's show and performing in my own show. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) That was not intentional. It just happened that way. (laughs) You know, I wanted to be involved in some way. And I, uh, I had said, well, they're taking too long to make a decision. So I'll just say yes to performing you know and then suddenly it was like oh and we want you to film oh crap (laughs) now i'm overextended but we went down we filmed and then um in february at the end of february we'll be releasing the dvd which is another documentary of that festival and we are very very proud of it we did a screening at magfest last week and that went really well we got some really great feedback and uh we're in the final stages of pulling everything together that's excellent yeah it's really Congratulations for both um, for both times. Thank you. Thanks. It's you know we're we're just really excited to be able to share it with the community and also to be able to um, kind of let uh, video gamers know about puppets and maybe some puppeteers know about video games because um, it's so interesting. You know, festival puppetry festivals and cons, <laughs> video game cons, they're the same thing, yeah. really. Um, it's, you know, it's just two different, uh, artistic mediums, but, um, the, the format and everything is the same and, and the idea of a group of people getting together and hanging out is, it's the same. Fantastic. Um, well, another aspect of your videos that I really appreciate, um, coming from a, um, a film background as I do and a lot of the, um, comments I've read on your, um, videos, uh, compliment you on your, um, not necessarily parody, but an homage to a lot of film styles and film types in some of your reviews. Like, um, I'm probably misquoting this, but one of your films um, was sort of a an homage to High Fidelity. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is correct. And they're just so detailed. And I was wondering um, how you select which films or um, what vibe you want to go with and how do you implement that into your production? Um. Well, you know, the show has gone through um, a bunch of different phases and changes and stuff. When we did High Fidelity, um, uh, but the one thing that I should say, the one thing that has stayed consistent throughout all the adventures and journeys that the show has gone on so far is that um, the concept is always mine and um, the basic story arc is always mine. Um, and then occasionally if I'm really busy, cause sometimes as a freelancer, you have like four or five different jobs going on. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody else in the production company would write the script, which is fine, you know, cause then I'd look over it and I'd say, okay, this is funny. This isn't, and then kind of make it my own a little bit more, but with a story arc and a concept that I'd already given them. So for that episode, I had been saying for a while to the guys that video games and collecting and music collecting are the same. 
And the guys were like, I don't know, because they're not as much into music as I am. And uh, and I said, dude, it's just like high fidelity. Oh, I know. We should do. <laughs> and then it <laughs> came, came to be. And I I, uh, I said to Darren, well, you, Darren DeMarco is also a huge music fan. So I said, Darren, go watch High Fidelity again and uh, and see what you come up with, because I think that we could totally make this work. And uh, and he came up with the script and then um, we shot it. It was one of the more uh, produced episodes that we've created. We went to a bunch of different locations. We had a lot of different friends involved. But I'm really proud of that episode. It's one of my favorites that we've done. It's one of my favorite. I think it is my favorite of yours, if I may pick some. I mean, I just loved how um, integrated it made. Most um, most independent productions or um, any even bigger productions, they just take little bits and concepts. But here, I mean, you implemented it throughout, which was amazing. Yeah, well, you know, that's the that's the team. It's Little Miss Gamer isn't just Z. It's yeah. me and Chad and Brett and Darren. Like we all contribute to this show. You know, Chad's an amazing editor. Um, and Brett and myself and Chad and Darren, we would all come together and and create jokes and concepts for the shows as well. So, but they're they're all games that I play and they're all games that I love. You know that that is the the truth. <laughs> there's there's nothing about that show that I'm, I mean, Little Miss Gamer is a character in some ways, but overall, it's me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that kind of comes through too. I, I um, you know, uh, reading some some comments actually about it, a lot of people uh, that I'm finding uh, that actually enjoy your show, they like it because you're, um, I don't want to say innocent because that's that's certainly not what I'm trying to say. Um, you seem genuine. You don't have any ulterior motives behind your voice, behind you, um, you know, backing up a product or anything like that. Um, whereas when, if it were to come from a larger site, you know, people might be worried about that. You know, when you actually go out and say that Psychonauts is a good game um, and you put together this video, you know, for it, that comes through absolutely. Right. Yeah. And that's that's how I feel. It's all from the heart, you know, and um, I'm not trying to get famous or make money off the Internet. I mean, people are still trying to figure out how the heck to do that yeah that doesn't work um, <laughs> <laughs> i mean if anything we're just trying to you know make videos that are fun and have a good time and uh and, and share the one of the most fun things is to be able to share games with people that may not have heard of them before um you know there there are a bunch of people who hadn't played guitar man and then after i um released that episode they went out found the game somehow it's kind of a rare game yeah. came back told me that they played it before so it's really fun to be able to expose people to uh, to some of these games that have brought me so much joy did you uh, did you get to do any uh while you were actually at magfest you and i chatted just briefly briefly but uh did you get a chance to go around and and play any games it sounded like you had your hands full while you were there <laughs> i did for a bit but i tell you uh there is something to be said about going to magfest and just being an attendee you know i mean uh-huh. I, I love going as a guest magfest is one of my absolute favorite cons hands down if you haven't been to magfest you have to go because it's awesome um but as a guest you do have certain responsibilities you know you have to go to certain panels and then you have to go to other people's panels and um you uh, make appointments with people to do other things, and, um, and also, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, and then also you have a table most of the time. Like that's part of guest status is you get a table, which is very exciting because it means you get to hawk your wares. And by the way, we have a new Little Miss Gamer T-shirt that well, we were selling at Magfest. Um, and so when I wasn't doing all that stuff, 
uh, and I wasn't sitting at the table, yes, I was playing games. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, you know, it's it's kind of a similar reaction to, um, I don't know if you heard last week's show, but we had Phil from uh, Shamoozle.com on here. And, oh, no, uh, I haven't heard that one yet. Mm-hmm. He, he was at the show, too. He um, um, he was the one with the bright yellow booth. Um, and he oh, was, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but he was saying the same thing. He was like, you know, MAGFest is totally different from the – you know, from the other side, and and I'm still yet to experience it as a as a um you know just a a visitor kind of thing because we we were there as press and so we had to go around and you know shoot video and you know of course camera didn't didn't work out as well as we wanted to otherwise we would have done this video there um you know but you do video you you know you're you're mingling that kind of thing and you're not necessarily there to go and and uh, for the social aspect of it you know right yeah. there's a con that I go to. Um, I've gone the last two years out in Long Island called Icon, which is a sci-fi con. And I have to say that that one is really interesting for me because we don't get a table there. So I basically show up, I do panels during the day, but then at night I get to totally geek out. Nice. Games, you know, I get to, (laughs) um, play some D&D and tabletop stuff. So, you know, I, it's, that is a huge treat for me um, (laughs) because then I, I get the best of both worlds. You know, I get to go and be a guest and then also be a gamer at night. Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, let's, let's swing back a little bit to puppetry and, and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, when, when you do, um, when you do your cons, um, you actually make puppets actually to uh, for the show, yes? For um, like for Magfest, like sell. for Magfest to sell mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, I too, you know, last Magfest uh, we had come up with an idea that I would make puppets and we would just see how they sold. So I made some um, uh, finger puppets, these little ghost finger puppets uh, from Pac-Man that turn inside out, so they're blue on one side and then the colored ghost on the other side. And I made these Pac-Man uh, foam ball hand puppets that g- could open and close their mouths. <laughs> and then black and white mages that were hand puppets as well. And they sold really, really well. Um, the problem is, is they take a long time to make. Yeah. So um, I made a couple uh, hand puppets this year and a bunch of puppets, and they pretty much all sold. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so... Now- now, yeah. why why puppetry? Like wh- when you were, you know, when you were growing up, what uh, what made you, um, you know, sway towards puppetry? Well, you know, it's interesting. I didn't know when I was a kid. Like some people, they just know. Like I just went to see Jay Johnson's The Two and Only, which is uh, he's a ventriloquist and yeah. he does this amazing Broadway show about his life. And I just saw him and. And he knew from the time he was five. He got bit, and he just knew. Oh, I'm a, I'm a performer. I'm a, I'm I'm going to be a ventriloquist, and it's going to be awesome. And he didn't even fully know what that meant. He just knew that he wanted to make people laugh and be an entertainer, and um and use fun voices to do it. And I had seen puppets, you know, all through my childhood, and always loved puppetry, but it never occurred to me that those were adults doing that. <laughs> right. You know, it never occurred right. to me that that could be a job. Um. But it's very interesting to me now, looking back, thinking, oh, there were so many times when um, that that was already an option. I just hadn't realized it yet. Um, and and then I had this one day where all of a sudden it was like all of the planets aligned, and it was as if I was getting a message from <laughs> I don't know someplace, <laughs> some higher being, puppet goddess somewhere, saying, "This is what you're supposed to be doing." And I listened, you know, I listened and I, and I did it. Very cool. Were you a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan? 
Oh, of course. <laughs> I still am. <laughs> I was going to say, that is like the perfect alignment of geek meets puppet right there. <laughs> right? You right. know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually started watching those recently. I It was uh, it was like my new rekindled uh, um, love for MST3K. My, my brother bought me the, the movie for Christmas because um, I don't know how big of a fan you are, but the, the original... Um, the original movie, the the one they actually released in theaters, uh, This Island Earth, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, they sold it on DVD, but it sold so well that like three months after it was released, they stopped production of it, and people were were hawking it online on like Amazon for like a hundred fifty dollars, two hundred dollars oh, for this. Hey. DVD. Yeah, yeah, and so I guess they they wised up and they started re, you know producing it again, and he got me this DVD, and it was it totally you know planted the seed in my head, and so now I've been like. <laughs> looking for all my old MST3K tapes and stuff. And... That's awesome. No, it's <laughs> such a good show. Uh, I mean, who doesn't love, like, ripping on old movies with friends? And that's even better, like, watching those guys. They have such good wit and comic timing. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of the gaming side, again, I'm going to swing it back around to gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of your focus seems to be on the older generations, like you said, from the Atari um, generations up to um, PS2. I was just wondering, um, in terms of the current generation, are there any kind of games or um, in, in anything that's really drawn your attention from the PS3, Wii, or 360 this uh, this generation? Or do you find that most of your attention, even when you go back and play for pleasure, is um, a couple years back? Um, well, we don't have a PS3 yet in our apartment, so I, I can't really date too much on that, although I'm thinking that maybe within the next year if we save up our pennies, we might end up getting one, because um, there's some games that are um, coming out on that system, and only on that system, that uh, both Chad and myself really want to play. You hear that, um, everybody? Little Miss Gamer needs a PS3 donation now. <laughs> no, don't do that. Get it in the mail. <laughs> I saw you got, like, a DS in the mail, didn't you? I will say my fans are amazing. I, um... <laughs> I, I did get a DS, and I got a Game Boy Color. I saw that. I was like, no fair. <laughs> I, I like... will say that somebody for Christmas, I haven't written him his official thank you card yet, but got me, gave me their old Super Nintendo. Like, wow. Wow. Yes. And not only that, it was, like, full of games. Amazing games. So I, uh. I am... <laughs> Best fan ever. I know. I, like, what do you do? How do you say thank you? Because yeah. Because... I don't know, but Elder Geek's going to have to open up for donations now. I mean, if we could just get one of those guys. But that's what she's saying. It wasn't like she was – it wasn't a donation. She was – it was a gift from just one of her viewers. We just have yeah. no love from our viewers. Oh. <laughs> well, if you – I'm, I'm – that's why I'm saying don't don't say that because it, it will happen. And I don't I – don't, I'm not a charity case. You know, I work. And I also understand that, you know, you have to save up for, for your stuff. You know, I'm, we're not made of money. And, and I, we're just like everybody else, you know. You, like, for instance, when Brutal Legend and A Boy and His Blob both came out on the same day, that that was unfair. <laughs> That's a torturous decision right there. Exactly, right? Um, you know, I've been waiting for so long for this remake of A Boy and His Blob. I was so excited about it. The art looked amazing. But Brutal Legend, I mean, that's Tim Schafer's new game. How can I not buy that on the day that it comes out? I have to support my hero. So I had to buy Brutal Legend and wait a few weeks and then get A Boy and His Blob. Do you ever, do you ever meet Tim, uh, ever meet or talk to Tim Schafer? 
Not yet, but I I keep feeling like if I just kind of put the good energy out there, that eventually, you know, once again, the planets will align and then suddenly we'll have tons to talk about. And I'll tell you what, if if we ever get him on our show, I'll have you come back as well. And then it'll be like the Tim Schafer and, you know, Z show. And I'll just shut up and you two can just talk <laughs> and that'll be the podcast. Oh, my gosh. I will totally geek out. I will try to keep. It would be fantastic. It would be on Elder Geek. People would expect you to geek out. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean, he's just so cool, uh, and and cool in in the sense that like he's he's a dude. He's just like, and I I'm gleaning this from his blog posts and like you know some interviews that I've seen with him. He's just like a regular guy who love really loves games in this amazingly intense way, and he's he has such. A, great sense of humor and that comes through in his character design and and all the humor that he puts in his games i mean i thought psychonauts was hilarious brutal legend is like drop dead funny so that ah gosh yeah if that (laughs) i would just be beside myself Uh, you know what gavin let's let's actually send an email we probably won't get a response but it's at least worth asking yeah and i'd probably geek out a little bit too i mean um z has some good taste i've been ever since grim fandango i've been on this guy. I mean, he's amazing. But um, do you have any other um, developers or um, anyone else in the industry that you really look up to that you really have that um, not necessarily as big connection with as Tim Schafer's games, but any other ones you look up to? I mean, he's my number one guy, really. You know, I'm, I, I, it's funny, like in music, I could say, oh, I would love to have um, coffee with this person, or I'd love to hang out with this person with games. Um, I don't, I, I haven't been following the designers maybe as much as I, as I should be. Um, you know, but I, lately I have been really getting more and more into the independent side of games because, um, well, one, they're pretty cheap or free. Yeah. And two, um, they're doing some of the most interesting stuff right now, I think, in gaming. Um, you know, some of the more artistic, um, choices and, um, you know, also creating games I really like. You know, sometimes a game just needs to be simple with a clear goal and a clear objective, and that makes it fun. Um, like I, I did a an episode called um, "The Top Five Cheaper Free Games to Help Beat the Recession," um, and one of the games <laughs> in there is a game called Knit K N Y T T. I think it is. And what a simple yet lovely game. Um, it's a platformer, a simple little platformer, but it's free and it's just beautiful. And you can beat it in, I don't know, maybe an hour. Uh, but it brought, it brought me so much joy to play that. So that's the thing that I'm really into right now. I, I guess I wouldn't say like one specific designer, but I would say that, that that's, that's something I'm really into. And I've been playing some, I guess if I had to say one designer, I've been playing a lot of the old Hudson Soft games on my oh, yeah. recently yeah. and been really amazed that I didn't get into them sooner. So that's my new thing is that Hudson Soft is quirky and weird and kind of lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good way to describe Hudson Soft, I'd say. <laughs> quirky and weird and kind of lovely. <laughs> I, think I think that's a back of the back of the box quote. Just like but it is. around it. The little bee there. There's the, there's the little bee, and then there's the the pulled quote. Quirky and what was it? Quirky and what and kind of lovely. Quirky and weird and kind of lovely. lovely. 
little hyphen and then Z. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. <clears throat> Fantastic. <laughs> well, um, that actually about wraps up the the time we've got. Z, do you have anything else that you wanna that you wanna add before before we get going? Um, well, I know that. Um, people are probably wondering when the next episode of Lumma Schemer is going to be coming out because it's been a while. Uh, I think the last episode might have been in October, and then suddenly, oh my god, it was Thanksgiving, and oh my god, it's Christmas. Yeah. Oh my god, there's no time. <laughs> um, but uh, I will say that it will be worth the wait. We have some pretty amazing stuff lined up, and we're really taking our time with it, but there's there are a couple of amazing episodes that are coming up, so just sit tight. Uh, keep your eye uh, on the blog. I have a blog that I've actually been updating. If if I even made a New Year's resolution, that was it, that I was going to update <laughs> the blog more. So you can check that out, littlemissgamer.com. Yes, and you can also get there from PBC Productions. You can go to pbc-productions.com slash littlemissgamer and get there as well. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, Z, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, you know, I wish you the absolute best of luck with, uh, you know, with your with your projects that you've actually got going on right now. It sounds like you've you've got a lot up in the air. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just me. I always do. But um, you know, thank you guys for inviting me. It's been really great talking with you. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, you know, talk to you soon. And if not, hopefully we get some games together at uh, next Macfest. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Let you know about. We'll let you know about the Tim Schafer thing. Oh, yeah, please do. Oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually, I will send an email as soon as we're done with the show. Uh, again, once again, everybody, thanks for listening this week. It's been uh, issue number 36. Um, with me is Gavin. Uh, Z, once again, from Little Miss Gamer, and I'm Randy. Um, be sure to check out Z's website at uh, pbc, uh, pbc-productions.com slash Little Miss Gamer, where you can check out her blog. You can check out Little Miss Gamer and uh, information about... Um, <clears throat> about the National Puppetry Show that we were talking about earlier as well. Um, Z, thanks so much, and uh, and take care. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks. Yahoo! You're all clear, kid! I love it! Everybody, welcome to Elder Speak, the official podcast of Elder Geek. Gaga. Gaga. Oh, fantastic, Randy. <laughs> welcome to Elder Speak. Let's get it on. <laughs> get it on. Now, <laughs> now, just uh, go syllable by syllable. Welcome <laughs> to. You can do it, Randy. To we believe phonetic Elder Speak. Yeah. <laughs>